That was a fun one. I know it looks a little silly today uh, compared to our, our new modern movie technology, but we had a lot of fun just with this concept of a time machine out of a car going to the past, of course the future and other places in the sequels. But this morning we're going to talk about this concept of looking back in our families, uh, specifically in different areas that uh, we sometimes regret. Uh, but we're going to focus the majority of our time on this concept of forgiveness. When somebody has wronged us in the family and what does the family do about it? How does it linger with the family? And so I, I want to just jump into it when we think about dealing with our past. There are often times in our family where we have the I wish I had said type of things. Now, things that we would look back and say, man, if I had said that more, maybe a mom or dad wanting to say this more to their kids. These are things like, I believe in you. You know, saying that more as parents, I think is significant. I think about that now as my boys enter their 20s. I'm proud of you. Everybody wants to hear that. Hey, good job. I'm proud of you in this area. But the one I want to focus on this morning, and the one that I think does the greatest amount of damage within our families, is this concept and this phrase, I forgive you. When we actually offer forgiveness for ways that we have been wronged in our family. Now, what's interesting, in our family relationships, we can kind of mix up this whole concept of forgiveness. Sometimes we can say the words, I forgive you, but our actions would never indicate that we've ever actually forgiven. Other times that we just can't even utter the words of forgiveness because we're so hurt or frustrated uh, by whatever might have taken place or occurred. God's Word would actually teach us that both of those are unhealthy for us going forward. Now, they're unhealthy for the relationship. They're unhealthy for the family dynamic. But you got to not miss the point that they're unhealthy for us to hold on to not offering forgiveness. And this shows up in the family because... Family, you get together Thanksgiving, you get together at Christmas, you may live across the same town. When grandkids come into the picture, now you have you know, different layers of relationship. And you have to figure out this whole idea of how am I going to engage and interact with somebody when this lack of forgiveness is hovering over the whole time. So we're going to look at that this morning. Why? Because this concept is true. Forgiveness is hard. Now, it's easy in some cases, right? Hey, I'm sorry I'm late. No problem. You're forgiven, right? But when we're really hurt or we're really wronged, when something is, is so damaging, forgiveness can be incredibly hard. Can I just state the general principle we understand as believers in Christ, the principle that we would believe and we would hold on to? It's this. Forgiveness is virtually impossible without Jesus. That Jesus is the one who actually teaches us, models for us this concept of forgiveness, and then actually tells us how to do it and how to put it into practice. So what I want to do in the next few minutes is I'm going to talk about forgiveness in the Bible, where we find it, what the Bible talks about in this area, and then I'm going to talk about from a practical application of forgiveness in the family. So let's just take a look at it. Forgiveness in the Bible, we'll start with this. <coughs> in the Old Testament, that's OT here, in the Old Testament, forgiveness is found 68 times. Now, why is that significant? 
The Old Testament has 66 books. It makes up more than two-thirds of the Bible as far as content goes. And forgiveness shows up 68 times. Now, clearly it's a theme in the Old Testament. That's a lot of times for something to show up in there. But when we get to the New Testament, we start to talk about forgiveness 125 times. So less than a third of the Bible dedicates this theme 125 times. That means in the New Testament, forgiveness is a dominant theme. It shows up over and over and over. In fact, if you would kind of layer them together with other things of significance, you would find that this is like one of the top five themes that show up in the New Testament. Now, three times we actually find that this of the 125, that this is attributed to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is preaching. He's talking about forgiveness. 121 times it's attached to Jesus. In some way, either Jesus says the word or we forgive because Jesus did or we forgive in Jesus' name. And we find that throughout the New Testament. So not just Jesus teaching, but we find the writers of the rest of the New Testament, they pick up on this theme, they see it as central, and they write about it to attaching it to Jesus. Now, some of you are math whizzes out there and you're in doing your math and you'd say, oh, three, one, twenty-five, hey, one, 120. one is missing, one is unaccounted for. Do you want to know what that one is? Take a look at, uh, at this. Um, Peter actually comes to Jesus and he asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Up to seven times? Now, you got to understand a little context, a little background. In the rabbinical system, the rabbis of, of the Jewish folks at this day, in this time with Jesus, it was commonplace for the rabbis to require and teach that you would forgive three times. Three times. So if somebody came to you and they wronged you, you say, hey, I forgive you. They did the same thing again. Hey, I forgive you. They do the same thing again. Hey, I forgive you. Fourth time, forget about it, man. You're, we're done with that, right? Now, you might think, hey, that's not very much. But according to just common culture, it was kind of like, hey, you, you fool me once, you know, uh, then I forgive. But if you do it again, I'm done with you. It's over. So it was the one time. The rabbinical system said three times. It was kind of mandated. So when Peter says this, what he's saying is, hey, I recognize there's something unique about you, Christ. There's something unique about the love, what you teach about. And should we forgive? Not the three times, Jesus, but let's ramp it up to seven times. More than twice, Jesus, we should forgive. Now, Peter, I think he could say this with actually a little smile, a little bit of a, you know, hey, look at this. I'm bumping it up to seven times here. And I'm sure there was a full expectation of Jesus looking at Peter and saying, Oh, Peter, wise pupil of mine, my favorite of all students, the one who is the gold standard in my class, you have nailed it and you've gone above and beyond. But that's not how Jesus responds. Jesus responds this way. He says, uh, no, Peter, seven times 70. Like, like Jesus actually puts it in a number, not that we should worry about the actual mathematical equation there, but what Jesus is saying here is, you should forgive an endless amount of times. 
You should forgive so often you can't even comprehend how to wrap your head around the number of times that you will offer this thing called forgiveness. Culturally, once. That's it. Do it again. You're done to me. Rabbinical system. Hey, how about three times? You know, we, we got a higher standard in God. Peter saying, hey, seven times would be amazing. And Jesus saying, no, seven times 70. You are going to forgive and forgive and forgive. What's the point we're getting at? The point is this. Forgive, for Jesus, forgiveness is expected. It's expected. That is what Jesus is teaching. That's what he's wanting his followers to understand here. In fact, after Jesus teaches us how to pray, do you remember the Lord's Prayer when he says that forgive us our sins as what? We forgive those who sinned against us. Now, in that Lord's Prayer, there's only one line that Jesus comes back after that and gives commentary to. He says, let me add on to this. Let me tell you a little bit more about this. Here's where it's found. Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Give a commentary on it. He's saying, hey, if you'll do this, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, what are we reading there? Jesus is actually telling us, look, forgiveness is not automatic. Like, you don't just show up to the party and God's just like, forgive, 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 forgive. Like, there's actually, Jesus says, you've got to forgive others. This is the way it works in the Christian system. It is based on this love of God, sending Christ for our salvation. But wrapped up in the middle of all this is this concept of forgiveness, forgiving other people. It's amazing that Jesus puts this strong, strong standard on this. Look at Colossians when Paul picks up on this theme in his writings, and he writes this to the church uh, at Colossae. It's a group of believers, right? And he's writing this to them, and he says, look, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. He's saying, look, this is the way you build Christian community. This is the way it happens. Forgiveness has to be part of it. But here's the last line. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Just as Jesus modeled and did for you, so you will do for one another. In fact, over and over and over, we get these as the Lord type verses in the New Testament, specifically in the writings of Paul, as he understands if Jesus did it, if Jesus said it, we better follow it. We better do it as well. There's significant value and it's part of the core principles of this Christian faith. And so we walk in this understanding of forgiveness. That is the core of what we need to be and do as believers. To forgive. To forgive. To tell somebody, look, I forgive you. Forgiveness is much like this. It's a concept of picking up a heavy boulder and carrying it along. That is the hurt and pain that was caused you when someone else did something. But here's what's happened. Is along the way, when we refuse to get, forgive, we actually take the original boulder and we set it down and we choose a heavier boulder to pick up and to carry. 
Because now we have the hurt and pain, but now we have the growing resentment over days and weeks and years that can damage us hardcore. We pick that, put that rock down, we pick up a heavier one, put that rock down, and we just keep carrying the weight of this. But when we forgive, when we forgive, we release that resentment. We give that over. Forgiveness is healthy for me. It's healthy for you. It's healthy for the individual who was the one hurt to forgive. And Jesus teaches us this principle. It doesn't make any sense sometimes in our culture. I mean, when somebody does something wrong, psh, they're done, right? Write them off. They can come back 20 years later and be the great humanitarian, but we're going to look to that one thing because as a culture, we have a hard time forgiving most people. But as Christians, Jesus says forgiveness has to be a core principle. That when we look to the past, we don't look to the past and constantly put somebody in the same context they were that day. We look to them as redeemable and that I need to forgive that act and move forward. Now, sadly, sometimes people don't always get redeemed. Sometimes they reject the, the redemption that's put in front of them by God and they continue being that same person they were back there when they hurt you. But you get to be a different person. You get to be healed up and restored in Christ and to release that resentment and put that stone down and move on. How does this work in our families? I want to give you just six practical statements about forgiveness so that we understand what forgiveness is and what it is not. Our common thought is this. If I forgive, it is like me condoning what someone did. Not so. It is like me saying, I forget it. I got to move on. I can't think about it ever again. It is not that either. It is like me turning and saying, it's okay. You're forgiven. It's okay. It is not saying it's okay as well. So listen to these six statements. The first one is this. Forgiveness does not mean you become vulnerable to abuse. You got to understand when you say, uh, I forgive you, it does not mean that you go back into some type of abusive or hurtful or harmful situation that you were in. That's not wise. We don't want to see that for you as well. And so forgiveness does not mean you keep putting yourself in the same position to get hurt the same way. Changes are actually made. In fact, this morning, I want to let you know, if your context is actually a physically or some type of heavy, emotionally abusive situation, whether it's in, in your family or some other context, we're talking about family, but it could show up anywhere. I want you to know right now, I want to know about that. I want to help you get out of that situation. I want to help you with the forgiveness route, but I want to help you with safety as well and get you out of that situation. So I want you to make sure you let me know right away or let somebody else know if you're more comfortable that will do the same for you. But forgiveness does not mean you just, you just become vulnerable to the abuse and keep having that abuse put on you. Second thing is forgiveness doesn't mean you just forget your past. It doesn't mean you just say, hey, psh, forget it. You know, no problem. Remembrance is important. Remembrance actually brings wisdom. And there's a difference between remembering something, right, 
and not forgiving somebody, remembering something here, but carrying resentment and anger for that thing here. Remembering, we put in this category, over here we can actually find health and healing and restoration. And we can remove this bitterness and resentfulness and anger. But often, remembering is a key to this happening. In fact, it was Jesus who went to the cross and died upon the cross for us. We often look at that as Christians and make statements about that being one of the most horrific, brutal deaths you could have. And yet, what did Jesus say? Almost immediately when he was resurrected, he taught his followers this concept of doing this in remembrance of me, this concept of communion, and he restates it on the road to Emmaus right after he rises from the dead. That's how they actually remember and open their eyes because the breaking of bread. We still do that today. We break bread. We take of the cup, and we were remembering this occasion of Jesus going to the cross. Remembrance is still important. Forgiveness doesn't mean you remove the consequences. Now, our kids have tried that all the time, right? Like our kids know, I knew when I was a kid, that if I would just go and say I'm sorry and say it in a way that's like really convincing, right? That I might get off on this. I might get uh, less consequences. I might even get off altogether and have no punishment at all. Now, my parents are watching this morning, so you either knew that and you were lenient to me or I got by with it. I don't know what the case was. Even in our judicial system today, we want to hear somebody come and say, you know, hey, I'm sorry. It was me. I did it. You know, I have regret. Forgive me. And there's almost this, this expectation for some in the court system that that will lead to leniency on the sentence. But you got to understand, we don't find that, uh, that forgiveness means you remove the consequences. What we find in God's word is that forgiveness removes condemnation. We find that when God forgives us of our sin through Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation that comes with that. That we are on this path to eternity with God. That God does not lord over those sins on us any longer. There's, there's redemption of that. But you might still be in debt, right? Because of your sins. You might still be in jail serving a sentence because of your sin. You might still have a broken relationship that will never be healed because of your sin. The consequences are not necessarily removed. And when you forgive somebody, it does not mean that automatically there are not consequences that should still be put on that person for whatever they might have done. Forgiveness drops this weight of resentment. Forgiveness actually takes in your mind away you continually condemning that person. So what does forgiveness mean? Forgiveness does mean that you release the right to revenge. You release this right to, I, I like to get back, I like to figure out some way. Now, most cases, it's not like the movies. Like, at the end of the action movie, you know, eventually the action hero or the person in the movie find some form of revenge and the bad guy falls off a building or something happens, right? But in real life, we don't ever act revenge, really. 
we don't ever really act on those things that we think about or ways that we like to kind of, you know, get them back, you know, or those type of things. Or what we'd like to see done to them. We just hold on to it. And we think about it. We maybe even fantasize about it, daydream about it. Those things roll over. It's actually sometimes, if we're not careful, part of this resentment ball of wax that we kind of mix together, this concept of revenge. But forgiveness means we release the right to revenge. Revenge, forgiveness means like, I let that go. I understand, look, I'm not heading after that. That's not my chief priority. In fact, the Bible even tells us, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Meaning that God will repay. God will deal with those wrongdoings. It's not always the way that we would hope or we would think that it should happen. But forgiveness tells us, release revenge from our heart. This is an important one to remember. Forgiveness is a process. It's not an event. Meaning, the day I say, look, I forgive you, it means I'm on the path to getting this right. That I'm able to actually verbalize, to say I am starting this journey to releasing this resentment, this anger, this frustration. But those words... If I just say, I forgive you, those three words don't automatically, magically release everything. It's a process that I begin. And I want to encourage you, if you understand this concept and you offer forgiveness, but you know you're on a process, don't stop the process. Keep working towards a fullness, a full release of the resentment, that full form of forgiveness. If somebody has come to you and said, look, I forgive you, and you just thought the next day the relationship would be back to restored 100%, and you would be tracking along like we always were, that's not reality. That's actually TV sitcom relationships, but that's not reality in real life. In real life, forgiveness is a process, and we want to keep going on that process. Stay in God's word. Let God's word teach you and build you up. Even when you're reading passages every day about uh, how to live out this Christian life, whether it actually speaks about forgiveness or not, you are being built into. In fact, I challenge every man I ever sit down to disciple. I challenge the men. I say 15 minutes a day reading God's word, 15 minutes a day. You know, sadly, a lot of times the men don't take me up on that. They don't get into the Word and they're not doing that. But I'm telling you right now, believers, if you get in God's Word and let God minister to you, it's amazing how much this process continues in our life of finding forgiveness in all relationships. You might need to find someone, too, to help you. Listen, if you're going to a counselor, if you've considered that, and somebody that can help you, I would say, please do that. But I also would say, would you please find a Christian counselor, somebody that as they're sharing with you, giving you advice, walking you through this, they would actually be doing that through God's world, or word, and through a Christian worldview. And if you need help in that, please let me know. And I have several contacts that love the Lord that actually incorporate that into what they're doing, and they're phenomenal. This final one is important. Name what this person took from you. This is actually just part of a healing process. In fact, the rabbis in Jesus' day, they had this concept that uh, you, you actually have to, you can only forgive someone who's done something to you. 
So if somebody's done something to somebody else, you don't forgive that person because they did it to somebody else. I'm not sure how that actually plays out, if that's actually true, but it was a, a common teaching. But I do find that if you could name the thing that that person took from you, what did they do? What is it they stole from you? What is it they took from you? What is it that was kind of held captive or taken away? If you could identify that thing, then you have that object to turn. And when you go to prayer and you say, Lord, today I want to lift up my, my prayer to you. You have that specific thing to go to the Lord. Help me, Lord, find release in this. Help me to find forgiveness in this area, in this concept. If we don't name that thing, we actually get this very fuzzy, hazy view around that thing. And sometimes we even lose sight of exactly what it is. Name that thing. And then start the forgiveness process praying specifically for that. Here's the takeaway this morning. It's quite simple. It's not easy. It's hard. But it's incredibly simple. Easy to understand sometimes hard to do. It's just simply this. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. If you would look in your family dynamics and you would look back over the years, especially if your kids are grown and out of the house because now you've had many more years where situations might have come up. Maybe your kids' spouses come in the picture, grandkids come in the picture. You have more relationships that could go awry. Something could happen. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is is the simple concept for the Christian life, a staple, a priority of the believer to forgive. Forgive. And so I want to encourage you this morning, whatever relationship's rolling on your head, whatever it is, it may even be outside your family. It could be a coworker, it could be a friend, it could be somebody you had a good relationship with, it went awry. I don't know what it is. It's time to seek out and offer forgiveness. It doesn't mean that relationship's going to be restored 100% right away or maybe ever. But you will be releasing something that holds you captive. That's what forgiveness does. And it's also amazing how many times when we offer forgiveness, somebody else's life is transformed. When they're amazed. They're amazed that you would forgive them. They know what they did, and many times but you would forgive them. Wow. And that transforms a heart. So I want to pray for you right now on this. Father, I know there's people listening to this right now that need to offer forgiveness. It's been so hard. It's been so heavy. It's been so painful. They say, you don't understand. You don't know what I went through. You don't know what happened to me. And I don't need to know to know that God teaches us something that's a better way. And that God doesn't make light of anything you've walked through. He wants to walk through now this sometimes painful restoration period. But in the process, God teaches, Jesus teaches, that forgiveness has to be a core quality. So Father, would this morning, would the seed be planted that forgiveness will be on the table? For the person who's had an incredibly hard heart to forgiveness, would this morning forgiveness actually just be a consideration for them. That would be a great one step. For somebody, Lord, who knows they need to do it, they just haven't done it, Lord, would this morning, would they actually take the step to offer forgiveness? 
It could be as soon as this afternoon. For the person who has offered, but they're in the process, Father, would you encourage them, continue the process. Keep growing in this. Keep releasing more and more to you as they find their restoration and what you have to offer. Lord, we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I know this can be heavy for many of you this morning. And so please remember uh, that you can uh, communicate with us. You can send us an email here at office at Windover Hill. So I'll see that and I'll be able to connect with you in any way you need and, and either sit down with you directly or steer you in the right direction. Maybe it's the right Christian counselor or the right person in our congregation who you can sit down, a mature Christian, to walk through this. Listen, don't walk through this alone. I know what the knee jerk is. It's, I don't want anybody to know, uh, you know, or you know, I'm, I'm just a little embarrassed about this, even though it's probably not your fault at all. Um, or I, I, you know, I don't want anyone in my business. I understand all those things show up. But help with accountability, help with counseling, it's so vital. So please let me know if we can be of help this week uh, to you. Uh, tomorrow you'll get a prayer text. That's a good way to respond. If there's something in particular off this subject that we can be praying for you about, please let us know and we'll be praying for you. Thank you for all the ones that came in last week. Uh, for whatever reason, it was just kind of a heightened amount that came in this past week. And so please use this as you get that tomorrow and uh, we'll be praying for you, and I'll connect with you personally. And again, if you don't want that to go out, you just simply mark no name um, at the bottom, and then that means it's you and I. I we're, we're conversing about it, but I won't send it out to any other channels as well. Don't forget the three ways to give. If you would, keep supporting the church financially during this time as we want to make sure, obviously, we pay our staff, we pay our building expenses, but really we want to keep paying the ministry uh, and, and funding the ministry of the church. So three ways to give there in person when we get back together. Send it in the mail or windoverhills.org. That's really the easiest way to do slash give, and you can take care of all your online giving. That way would be great. Hey, I want to introduce you to this, this uh, fundraiser we're going to be doing. We've talked about Lot 2540 for about eight straight years. It's been a significant ministry that we want to support and partner with. Here's a way that you can do it and you can help. Uh, they're doing their annual uh, pork butt uh, fundraiser uh, coming up. So here's how we can do it. Is what we can do is we can actually purchase one of their uh, pork butts for $35. They're going to smoke them all on a Friday. The next day they're going to bring them down to the church. I will have them uh, in the fridge for you. Or we can figure out a delivery system as well, depending on how many we get and what kind of space we have. But I would love, I look at this and I realize, like some of you are like, oh, I don't like pork butt, you know, I don't eat that. Guaranteed, someone in your neighborhood does. Somebody you work with does. Somebody somewhere does. So here's what I want to ask of you. In this fundraiser, I want to actually ask that we would push this. Uh, I would love to see 25 of these pork butts actually purchased from our church. Whether you like to eat pork and pulled pork and that kind of stuff or not, there's somebody to give it to, but the key is we are helping Lot 24 raise funds and they feed hungry people. Every single day they feed hungry people. And then of course they do the food distribution twice a month as well, where people go home with boxes of food. We need to support things like this. The church in general needs to support things like this. And so going through COVID, uh, obviously there's periods of time where we were pushing to get back together and have a gathering and we weren't quite sure how that was going to happen. Those are okay things to push for. 
This is a vital thing to push for in the church among believers that we are helping feed the hungry. And so I want to encourage you to do that. So here's what's going to happen is you're going to get an email this week. It's going to have a link of how you can sign up for one of these. Um, you can actually, all you do is sign up. You can actually then go to windoverhills.org slash give and you will see a tab for being able to purchase your pork butt through our automated system online. So all that will be explained in the email and you'll get that uh, this week. But let's, uh, let's really jump together. We're not doing the plate side here. We're doing the pork butt side over here. And so I think it's a great way that we can help and pitch in uh, and support. So next week we're going to be finishing up uh, this series uh, on October 4th. And we're going to do it one of my family favorites. It is called uh, The Princess Bride. The first time I saw it, I thought, that is the corniest thing I think I've ever seen. It grew on me. And uh, now uh, we watch it multiple times a year. So you probably know it as well if you're my age. You've probably been proud to introduce it to your kids as we have uh, as well. But we're going to kind of be looking at this, this, some of these concepts that come out of this movie. So go ahead and take a look at the trailer. 